Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are here with uh, my co-host, Mugay, and a wonderful, wonderful colleague and friend, Michael Thomas. Today's topic, we're going to talk about, um, uh, it's it's basically entitled, Focus on Balance, Life Through the Lens. And Michael Thomas, uh, we connected through our professional life first, but have also been connecting throughout the years on the art side of things. Uh, a little bit about Michael just has had just a tremendously successful career over the last two decades, um, quite a luminary in the CRM relationship management world, uh, a few accolades, al- you know, he's a former um, national president and board member of the CRM Association, uh, insightful contributor to CXO Magazine, uh, prominent um voice in CRM and customer experience management publications. Uh, you'll get to know Michael both from his passion in education, speaking, you know, being very aligned to what's going on in the the, the pulse of, of the industry, uh, esteemed presenter at the Wharton School of Business on social media meet CRM. And then um, beyond his professional life, Michael is a brilliant photographer, uh, historian, educator, and visual storyteller based in Atlanta. Um, we're going to talk a lot about his uh, photography and how that brings a wonderful uh, balance to life, as well as a way to continue to learn and grow. So um, with that, Michael, we'd love to welcome you to the show and maybe in your own words, tell people more of what I missed because there's a lot more to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. No, you you didn't miss any, anything. It's, it's uh, when you look at that in your, your body of work, you think, you know, that's what I was supposed to do as my, is my profession and it, it, it's like it's that you go off in that far you know journey and then then i'm done um but it's not it's more than that uh and one of the things that i i'm, I'm very proud of my career um, i've always done things with passion and with storytelling and it's kind of a foundation for me a foundation from professionally and a foundation personally that my parents uh, instilled in me so it's something that is you it's really easy to be you and you're you all the time and so uh, the the photography piece came about uh, about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. And, and I do know that defining moment because it was when my youngest uh, went off to school. So I have three and one was in grad school, one was in regular school and then my youngest. And so it's a point in your life where they call it the empty nest, reference to Bert. <laughs> but it's like I was sitting in the backyard um, and remembering all the fights, all the, all the laughter, all the tears, and um, it was kind of sad. But then again, I started noticing the birds. And my photography first, uh, I, I just, I've always been interested in it. Uh, even when I was in high school, my father tried to teach me, but 
it wasn't so easy back then. <laughs> I was not a numbers person, uh, but it was something that was always interesting in me. So it, it came about, it was like I was, I was taking a genealogy class and I'm um, thinking of how do you capture family portraits and things like that? And it brought me back to the camera. And I remember writing down on my notes that day, you know what, get a camera, start taking photography. And I did. I went to I went to Best Buy and bought a camera and 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 started my journey. The the first part of it was just taking photos of birds, right? Um, nature. Uh, there was a trail that I ran that I run on and bike on many years. And every time I run, I see things. I wish God, I wish I had a camera. God, I wish I had a camera. And so I started walking that same trail with my camera. And it was kind of like if you capture that tree that falls and you hear it then it happens. Or if you see that bear, that's <laughs> then it, it does. So that started it. And so I, I really got interested in doing that. Um, a chore, not a chore, uh, errand that I ran for my wife uh, to a church downtown Atlanta. Um, I went downtown Atlanta and dropped off at the school, the Georgia Tech, where my daughter went to school. And I went on a side road and I went into an area of Atlanta that nobody really sees. It's a forgotten area. It's an area that's been not gentrified, but it's just been forgotten. It was a vibrant African-American neighborhood at the time. Um, it, 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 but at that time when I drove by it, it was desolate. Uh, you know, people on the streets, there were just very little pop-up shops, uh, schools that were closed. And the only thing that was recognizable was a MARTA station, which is our public transportation in Atlanta, which I thought, well, yeah, that's great because now they can you know, go to their jobs, right? But there's nothing really here. So I, I pulled off the side of the road and started taking photos of people and saying hello to them and all. And that brought me into the people side of photography, of capturing stories. And that's what I really started with. The black and white capture was my passion. And that was to, the, the basis of my site, uh, the stories of us photography. Um, I wanted people to understand and to empathize of why people were in certain situations. Right. Um, here I am flying home from meetings, you know, at the companies I work with. And, you know, it's 1130 at night and I see, right, you know, I see people at a bus stop waiting to take a bus, to take a bus, to take a train, to take a bus home. Right. And, and, and I know how people just drive by people and just look at them and maybe they judge, maybe they don't. But it was something I wanted to bring out and tell stories. So I started doing that and, and exactly even approaching people. Um, homeless people. I would bring them, you know, I would have food, I would have clothes. I kept all the stuff in my car, uh, money, sometimes food, but I would never take anything as in photograph unless I gave something back or learned. And so that gave me this, the, the side of telling the story in the black and white. It can be the side that really uh, brings you down, right? It's uh Telling that story and understanding why people are homeless, whether it's mental illness or, you know, financial disaster or a number of things, um, is, is heavy. It's heavy on your heart. It's heavy on mine. The nature part brought me up. It was a yeah. balance. I wanted so to ask about that because the two, and and for our listeners, maybe while you're even listening, I think it's, sometimes it's great to look at the websites themselves, but the the um, the birds and the and the very colorful and uh, like I think National Geographic worthy. <laughs> seriously, oh, I mean, stop it, what stop no, it. <laughs> what you capture is incredible. Is um, mybackyardnature.com. 
And then on the black and white storytelling of just urban life, it's um, uh, the stories of us dot photography. Yes. Right. Yes. 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 And and so so, you know, but I want to I don't want to say it was a perfect storm because it wasn't. I took photos of nature and that was a balance. Right. It was something that my family liked and certain people. I do a calendar every year. But um, COVID showed up. Right. COVID-19 mm-hmm. showed up. And I remember the first day everything was shut down and I had to go to the grocery store. And I remember driving through. It was it reminds me the back when 9-11 happened, the quiet, the stillness, the the, the the afraid, being afraid. And there was a picture there in Roswell, Georgia, where I live. There's these silos, old silos just pops out of anywhere. And I took a photo of that. And I took a photo of a, a bird in my backyard and a little girl pushing her dad down one of the main streets. Um, and so I posted it on next door to say, hey, look, you know, we're in a we're in a downtime here, but there are things to look up to and to smile to um, and how nature comforts us because nature figures it out. And so that brought about for me, it was a balance for my black and white photography. But it was also an opportunity for me to uplift others. And so I started posting uh, photos on Nextdoor. I think you're all familiar with Nextdoor. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it can be quite interesting, um, a little bit much <laughs> sometimes. But my approach was always in a uplifting way. Okay, so the nature part, I would see a picture of a bird and it would fly off and I'd get frustrated. I'm like, doggone it, I missed it. Mm-hmm. Then I realized, wait a minute. You caught the bird in flight. That's something people don't see. You don't see the feathers or how the wings or how their head turns or how how they maneuver, whether it's a hummingbird or whether it's a robin or whether it's a blue jay, how they sound. And so I, I, I started building that muscle up of learning how to capture birds in flight. Um, and it took a while. It was almost like the Malcolm Gladwell, what, 10,000 hours of mm-hmm. something, you become an expert. And so I learned how to set the settings on it, and I learned how to anticipate when a bird was going to move. Now they mess with me sometimes, and they, they mess with me. They <laughs> laugh at me because they go, he thinks I'm going this way, but I'm going that way. But I learned how to capture it. And then I started posting it on, on uh, Nextdoor, and people kept saying, God, that's so uplifting. Thank you for that, Michael. Thank you for that. And that led to me writing a book. Um, and, I mean, I didn't think I would ever write a book. I, I could read a book. I love to read it. But writing a book, it was something that I got a publish, publisher and worked with her. And the book was called um, How Roswell Stands Tall and How Nature Comforts Us Under the Cover of COVID-19. And so I started putting photos of the pictures that I posted and the stories behind it. And so that was kind of uh, my gift to my audience and all the proceeds I donated to a local community charity here. And so that that fulfilled the purpose of giving them the story behind the lens. And it also gave me the fact to say, gosh, I'm published. I can I can say that. Right. Isn't it interesting uh, how one experience leads you to another? I know right? it does. It does, right? It was just Co- it was cosmic surreal. chain of events. Mm-hmm. Cosmic chain of events, the best kind. I think, Michael, uh, what you have described um, and so gracefully shared with us is so inspiring. Um, I took away two things so far. Mm-hmm. Number yeah. one is how um, your um, interest in photography and capture the birds in flight in this instance, um, you know, put you in touch with the present and uh, the power of observation that we all want to have more of. Uh, we want to be present 
present in our current environment and experience the beauty and the change that goes on around us and being able to capture it is even better. And the other piece uh, is the power of visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we love and remember stories, but you pair it with uh, visuals, powerful visuals on the human condition, um, mm-hmm. even better. And you said something about um you know, taking the time to stop and capture those moments where they may create some discomfort. Maybe they are not about beauty. They are more about um, the human condition. Um, Maybe these are the instances we try to avoid or drive by as fast as we can. Um, But you stopped and um, looked to capture it, to tell this story of why things happen the way they do. And our connected role in all of this in, yes. in the universe essentially so um it is it is just so inspiring and so powerful and, and you know you mentioned studying capturing birds in flight because you know with our little iphones we are all photographers right we are constantly snapping and posting um but there is um there is a bit of an art to it um so yeah. um i'm curious how have you motivated yourself to get into this and um you know elevate yourself to the next level of photography in a sense well i think i'll start with something that you said at first and it's my mantra my mantra mm-hmm. is be present yeah be present um it it is it, it was my mantra from the start whether it's be present when i'm driving down the road or be present when i'm in the backyard you know, in our careers, we don't think we think we're doing, you know, we are doing what we're supposed to do and we're good at it. Right. But it consumes a lot of our time, more time than you think about. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you don't think about it until you're sitting down and, and it's away from you and you start seeing things and noticing things. So so be present was always is always my mantra, whether I'm in the backyard or whether I'm driving. Right. When I'm driving, I have to be careful because I have to learn how to pull over in a safe place and pull by because that's that's you know that those things pop up. Another mantra that I have is keep shooting. And the keep shooting is one that I developed this year because of some circumstances. Uh, I I ruptured my bicep tendon in February. And so I was in a cast for two months and and I just was totally disconnected from work and everything. And it gave me a chance to slow my brain down and notice things even more. Um, it was a tough time mentally because I did I was depressed about it, but I my mantra was keep was keep shooting. Um, as far as the camera, um, they there's a quote that says the best camera is the one you have in your hand. Mm. Uh, and I've seen some incredible photos from iPhones and I, I've seen some. Uh, fortunately for me, I'm not that guy. I'm the one that's looking for a camera with the iPhone in my hand. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> developed that muscle to grab my phone and take a photo other than if it's a family thing or friends or something like that. But I learned, I, I more learned by doing. Um, behind me is a bookcase of <laughs> too many books of photography that I've purchased and read and read through as far as the technology part of it. Cameras today are a lot easier to use. Um, uh, and that's just part of technology, right? The digital is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, and when I say to people, even the editing, people sometimes question me about my edits and all. And I go, look, you know what? I shoot in raw. And raw means when you normally take a photo, the output is in JPEG, right? And JPEG is a subset of all the colors that you capture. When you shoot in raw mode on a camera, it captures 
everything, everything. So in your Lightroom or whatever, you can pull out things that normally people don't see because it's been compressed, but it's there. So it's like, I'm not adding anything to my photos. I'm bringing out things to my photos. And so I learned that part about how to shoot raw, but the birds part was really just a study of it and to know the sound of the birds and to know what they were up to, how they got along, how they protected each other, uh, how they fought each other, um, how they raised their young. And so that was interesting to me to see and it kept so that the flight was even more. And you think sometimes, you know, you've seen it all, right? And you go, there's nothing I'm going to see that I haven't seen already. And you do, right? Mm -hmm. The eastern, eastern bluebird is a beautiful bird, but it may take off from the left, the right, up or down, and there's a different capture of it. So I used to be worried about, I don't want to go inside because I'm going to miss something. I, I used to sit out there a long time before I miss something. And now I'm at the fact that, you know what? I'm out there. I'm being present and something is going to come to me. Just, uh, um, Christine, I sent you the photo this morning of um, the dog and the butterfly. Yes. Right? And and I had been, that has been in my head, the heart song for weeks, <laughs> for weeks. And this morning I'm just sitting out taking a break, right? In the blazing heat. And there it presented itself. And so things will always present itself on the street or whatever. You can't retell a story. You just tell it in a different way or for a different view. And people see things differently. And so um, I don't tell them what to see. I show them and they see what they see. And so I, I think that's something that I, I love to do. There's a book that I was given to me by uh, Seth uh, Godin. And it's called The Practice. And in the book, it talks about your creativity. And it talks about finding your audience. And your audience is not going to be everybody. It's going to be certain people. But when you find your audience, you're giving them what they want. My next door audience is telling me they love this. Where have you been? You know, I, I, I can't. You are so positive based on all the other things that are going on on next door in the world. Um, and so that's my audience. And so that's who I gained my strength from. Because you want to continue to ship the work. That's what it. That's what Seth said. Ship the work. Ship the work. Get it out to your people. So that's that's how it it does to me uh, from a uplifting way and from an empathetic way. Um, I think they mentioned I teach African American history. I can also teach Vietnam history, and there's just things that are there are reasons for things. And my reasons aren't to say it's this way and that I'm angry. It's just that people understand why it's this way. Um, and so that's how I tell the story. Um, and it could be a number of things. I've read, I've met homeless people on the street that were Vietnam vets or from or Iraq or, you know, people that just lived in neighborhoods that never had a chance. Generational, was never any generational wealth. Poverty was, was stricken, right? And so those are the people that the stories uh, I love to tell because it makes me have survivor's guilt sometimes. But if I can help them give them something to smile about, it makes me happy and it makes them happy. And I made their day. And who knows what moment you touch somebody that that can change their life for the positive forever. Or That's prevent right. Them from something. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, just the rec recognition of their story and their person and, you know, what's going on for them that day is, is pretty powerful when you, uh, especially when you think of all the people who just pass by, pass by, it, it, pass it by. It is. And another thing, too, this is and I want to address you got your one of your questions was 
you know, when you go through your career and, and I went through this, right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my future holds, uh, but I know I control it. Right. In some form or fashion, <laughs> not all of it, but um, I think I've met people that have focused so much on their career, which is the technology, the corporate part. I, I would be very sad if I had done that and I'm coming toward the, you know, the crest of that hill without anything else, right? The, and I'm not saying that it's a downer. I'm just saying that everybody has a creative side to them and to discover that. Christine, when when we dis, we discovered ours, and remember, I remember when we were in Las Vegas at an event and we exchanged, uh, I got one of your paintings and you got one of my photographs. And at that time we were kind of dabbling, right? Mm-hmm. We were just kind of dabbling. And, and so that part is like, I want people to know that you're more than your corporate LinkedIn persona or profile, right? That's right. Um, you're more than, uh, it took me a long time to say I was a photographer. It, it It's still something that's hard for me to say, but I can say it now. Um, but to find that creative side to know, you know what, there's another side of me that I want to bring out, right? I, you know, you, you go on that path, you go get the job, like you say, and you do what you have to do and you excel in it in the best way that you can. But building another muscle of your creative side to give back, um, I think that to me is, is nirvana uh, to, to be able to do that because you're not defined by what you did, you're defined by what you're doing and, and how you're touching others. And so, that's uh, that has been helpful for me. When I mentioned my injury this year, I, I went through. I mean, I was waddling in the muck. I call it waddling in the muck, and because uh, everything has stopped, I didn't have to worry about work. I didn't have to worry about anything. But then all of a sudden, you're like, "Gosh, what am I going to do?" And I go, "You know what? You have a gift. You have photography. You have fans. You have people. So give them that. Okay, yes. Yeah, stay with your black and white. Keep telling your stories. Keep doing your podcast. Keep." Let helping people to look up and understand, but also uplift people. And that's where the my my backyard nature. I mean, that came about and I spent a week building the, the site and uh, and going, you know what? People want this in their house. And so the ability to buy prints, note cards, digital. So that to me was like, you know, you so don't regardless of where you go next. This is what you have. This is this is ideal. Right. Yeah. And Chris, Christine, we had this conversation so many times. You used to give me homework because we had talked about this. <laughs> and then and then you said, Christine, okay, give me. homework. That would never oh, happen. Yes. <laughs> and she would say, the next time we talk, I want to ask you about this. And yes. I kind of like, well, maybe she'll forget. And she'll call me and she goes, OK, what about what about that? And I'm like, OK, well, I've worked on this. She goes, How are you going to push that out? And so it, it worked. And then when when you brought yours out right i thought man she's doing exactly what she was trying to help me do right and so it gave me strength to say you know because i you know you're you're more than you're more than your your corporate persona you're more than that and so that's it that's what that's what i did to get out of the muck i kept shooting and i kept saying regardless of what happens if i go back to a corporate whatever i don't have to worry i have this right and this and, and- yeah. And so a question for you. So why do you think it was hard for you to say you are a photographer? It's a it's a humility kind of thing. Right. Because when you say that you're saying something, it's hard for me to 
talk about myself like that. Like, you know, when somebody said, oh, he's a very nice guy. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, or uh, photographer, it took a while. Uh, I just always said um, I have a hobby, photography. And then people started saying, well, no, you're a photographer. Right. And, and, <laughs> and then I started getting mentions and I've done a couple of galleries and I've started getting mentions in my work posted. So I'm like, okay, now I can say I'm a photographer. I, I even... <laughs> I even the stories of us are on this forearm uh-huh. and a camera is on this forearm. And it was part of me. My mom's still upset about me, so she don't listen to this and say anything. <laughs> but it's owning it. It's owning who you are. Right. right. And and if you own it and put it out there, then you just be it. So it it I'm I'm comfortable now saying I'm a photographer, but when I see other people and how much they know about the technology of it. I don't get that involved in it. My best photography book is called The Soul of the Camera, and it's by a gentleman called David Du Kimmen. And the whole book does not talk about technology. It talks about what you see, what you reveal. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the rule of thirds or the composition or how things are framed. Uh, your pictures should talk to people without you having to say anything, the untitled that's right. interesting. Well, they, so, they yeah. scientists and people who study human behavior say that we are first feeling people before we're thinking. So it sounds right. like that book is actually plugging into the feel of of it all. It is. And now I've made mistakes. Um, you know, I, I've even done some spreads for local magazines, you know, and say I'm a photographer. But then they're sitting you on an assignment and you go out and take the photos and then they're like, well, I don't kind of like this. Or if I did some senior proms or something and I'm like, you know what? Mm-mm. I'm not doing that kind of photography. I'm sorry, because that somebody else has an idea of what they want. Then if you have an idea of what you want, then then get it or find somebody. But that's not me. And mm-hmm. so I did make mistakes as far as taking photos without knowing how to do settings right and and not getting it. So I had to take time to learn. And it was easy to learn because you learn from your mistakes. Oh, that was too bright because the contrast, so you didn't have it on the right setting. Or, you know, people always brag about, oh, I shoot in the manual mode. Well, why? When you don't have to. The camera has the intelligence and the artificial intelligence to help you take a photo. The rest is up to you and muscle memory, right? I mean, the camera's not going to take a flying bird just by itself. Right, you have to know how. To. Well, I don't know. We we may have to talk about drones. Um, <laughs> there is also the uh, well, part of drones, right? Um, but I think the yes. beauty of um, human connecting with nature to bring joy to self and spread joy to others is so powerful. And and uh, all, all, everything you're describing, Michael, is how wonderful it is to pursue joy without overthinking initially, yeah. at least, and have yeah. that turn into whatever. It turns into I, I have a really good friend who is going through a difficult time in her life and um, and she uh, wakes up every morning uh, capturing the sunrise in Houston from her rooftop terrace she's in this tall condo building and she sends right. me these pictures and each picture is different uh, and each picture is beautiful um, and it just uh, makes me wonder I'm like wow I've been in Houston for 30 years and I have not experienced sunrise in this manner um, wow. and it is helping her get a perspective that each new day is a new beginning and a source right. of gratitude but she is giving me immense joy 
starting my day with such beauty and appreciation. Right. So I think being able to um, get into that, and she's not doing it to uh, take the perfect picture or, you know, create an mm -hmm. art right. book, etc. And maybe she has a gift too. I don't know because her pictures are pretty amazing. Um, but I think that notion of uh, pursuing what brings joy to you without overthinking and trying to plot the next decade uh, mm -hmm. in terms of what that may turn out for you um, is so powerful. And through all the um, intentional and unintentional chain of events, um, you know, you open doors, Michael, for yourself and for those around you, which is uh, which is uh, powerful. I think in our prior conversations, you mentioned there was some inspiration for for you to uh, pursue, especially stories of us um, is inspired by Gordon Parks as well? Yes, 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 Gordon Parks. Um, when you when you look at um, any uh, photos from back, you know, Dr. King, whether it's Malcolm X, uh, Harlem, um, inner city, uh, this, uh, Gordon Parks captured it. He was the man with the camera. He captured some incredible moments. Gordon Parks also um, was the director behind Shaft, the movie yeah. Shaft. <laughs> when you um, mentioned Gordon Parks, I did some research because I was like, the name's familiar. What else did he do? And yeah. Shaft it has, I mean, it, phenomenal movie, phenomenal yeah. soundtrack. Oh, I mean, <laughs> the theme song great to soundtrack. Shaft. Isaac Hayes. Yes, <laughs> well, like, yes. But then you say, Shaft, he's a bad, he's a, oh, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm talking about Shaft. We I can love it. <laughs> but, you know, I'm the, going the, to the incorporate thing. that into my work day, see what happens. You have to. You have to. <laughs> but, you know, his, his book is called The Camera Is My Weapon. Mm -hmm. And and it was it, it was a it was a book that people saw things that they didn't see. Like there were photos of, you know, African-American families um, on vacation or African-American kids looking through a fence at a pool that they were not allowed into. Mm -hmm. And so it gave people insight and I think it helped inspire because if things aren't captured, then it doesn't really happen. And Gordon Parks was good at that. He was incredible. I mean, he did movies, he did a lot of things, but his part of the camera, uh, one of the things that he did was to work with the um, this association that went around and interviewed uh, the last the last people that were enslaved and given their their story. And so he told a story in a historical way. Um, the, 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 there's another photographer that took the photograph of when Dr. King was assassinated, right? There are photos, there's a book and, and I will have to give it to you later, but it's, it's a book that the New York times, um, they had photos that they had taken back in the day that never saw the newspaper because of, because of deadlines and things like that. But they unveil things that Gosh, it would have been great to have seen uh, stories that would have great to have been seen. So this this photographer with New York Times worked with other people and they found these photos and they created a book and 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 they and it showed those and it told stories behind it. And so I think it's it's important to 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 tell those stories. And and one thing about your friend and I I can this to uh, Christine you is that every day every uh, every day it's a blank canvas. Right. I mean, Christine, you've shown photos of you doing artwork and there's nothing there. But all of a sudden you're there and you're creating it. Right. 
And so the blank canvas is that that means that there's nothing defined. It comes from it comes from you, just like the camera. You don't know what you're going to capture. There are things that I've captured. Um, there's a, a, a one thing that I catch. And I'm, I'm going to be cautious with time of one one day there was a hummingbird and I watched a hummingbird and I knew which way the hummingbird was going to fly. Then I saw a chipmunk right at the corner. <laughs> and I'm thinking, OK, that'd be cool to get them, you know, but that's going to be a stretch. And there was a flower in the middle. So I took the picture of the hummingbird, and when I went and looked at it, I caught the the actual chipmunk watching the hummingbird fly away <laughs> in that one frame. And that was like, well, that was dope. I, you know, I, <laughs> and, and the thing about it, though, I recreated it two years later. Wow. And that's when that's when you start saying, you know what, this is not by luck. This <laughs> is. This is timing. It's being present, right? Because it's not going to happen if I'm out there at a different time. It's just a matter of if I'm there and and things happen. So I think that's the. I think everybody finds their their sunset, their sunrise, um, whether you capture it or not. The joy that you bring people and the education. I'll, I'll bring up one thing that that I've had to address with the next door crowd because they can be very um, uh, very challenging. Um, I actually, one, my you, got, last, you got a couple cantankerous people on every site, right? My, my last post uh, that was either political or controversy was the a photo of the bewitch uh, neighbor looking Gladys, through Gladys. Gladys. <laughs> and, and but there are people sometimes I'll post a picture of a blackbird or a crow and somebody will be like, oh, I hate those. They're just something like, you know what? They're beautiful. They got to live. Right. Everybody learns to live. Why do you hate them? Or why do you hate the Joro spider? Right. Everybody has a purpose. Right. Or, oh, you know, how, you how about Blue Jays? Talk to me about Blue Jays because they can be pretty aggressive. Blue Jays are loud. They are big and loud and and they're timid. They're, they're timid. not. They're, they're, I, I, well, I'll tell you my my Blue Jay story. We have a mailbox and you have the mm-hmm. paper, you know, space for a paper underneath. And every season, Blue Jays will build a nest. And I'm always like, oh, it's so cute. The little babies. I don't yeah, want to fight you. <laughs> Hel- hello. And yeah. I, usually it's only one or two. So it's not that big of a deal. But this this past year, this um, bird had like five babies. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't go get my mail. And they're big. And they're big. They're really big. They swarm. They they dive (laughs) on. They try and get in your hair. (laughs) It was just like that. I'm running on my front lawn. (laughs) You know what? Mockingbirds are like that, too. Really? They're always complaining and fighting and scrabbling. But uh, bluebirds in our yard, uh, the nests are in a higher tree. So Mm. they're loud and they they don't stay long. So you really got to focus on catching them. And they're mm-hmm. so beautiful. The blue is so beautiful. But I've seen them chase hawks. I mean, wow. right? <clears throat> and it's kind of like, That's it's almost bad. like, the, you know, you, you don't want to feel bad for anything. I mean, I've seen a hawk grab a chipmunk, right? But you can't stop nature. They're doing it for a reason. Not like humans. They're doing it to survive, right? And and so, but blue jays, yes, they're, they're beautiful. They're loud and obnoxious. <laughs> you know, right when they show up. Mockingbirds, too. And mockingbirds are always complaining. You know, like, you know, they're always just mad about everything. <laughs> just, Hence the song, if that mockingbird won't sing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy them a diamond ring. But, it, it's, but, but you know, there are other birds, too. Uh, you know, there are birds like doves. Mm. Oh, here's a, here's, a, here's a tidbit. One of the easiest birds to photograph in, in flight are doves, hmm. morning doves, hmm. because they make a sound. Like, so they, it takes them a while 
It's like a transport oh, plane as opposed to a Concorde. And so that you hear the flaps, you can always catch them. Um, the nuthatch, they're fast. Hummingbirds are the most incredible birds, which weigh, uh, you put a penny in your hand and that's the weight. Wow. And the and the way they can fly, there's no bird that can fly in any direction like that that, that they can fly. Is and that the, the hardest one to capture from your standpoint? Um, not now. They used to be. Okay. And now I I'm capturing them not just by the feeder. I'm capturing them flying away. There's one photo I took of them flying away. And so and they make a funny noise. You can hear them They're like mm -hmm. laughing at you when they come by. Um, and so that's how you learn. I feel like uh. I feel like I'm in the wild, wild kingdom sometimes. I'm like, yeah, watch that. Watch Michael go there and in the bush and kind of catch that hummingbird, you know. And so um, those are things I, that I share with my audience about, look, you know, you may not like, you know, there are birds that I like more than others, but I'm not going to dislike a bird, right? I mean, I'm not going to like, you know, if the squirrels are at the bird feeder, I'm like, you know, they're not supposed to be there. But, hey, you know what? We can all get along, Right. <laughs> right. And so, it sounds um, like your backyard to survive and thrive. And nature has the grand design of it all. As we think we have control, we really don't. We don't. Uh, right. And we, we got to be very humble about that for our yeah. present and future of our planet. Um, so, but it does sound like your backyard is like Snow White's. <laughs> It's a small backyard. It's just um, it's just, happy it's, chipmunks and see what oh, I love yeah. about this. Though, look at the adventure you can have in your backyard. You you know, go explore and uh, go to Antarctica, New Zealand, whatever. But you know, you can find the most inspirational moments just in your very backyard when yes. you have the patience uh, and inspiration oh, to look. Right. And I just love that. Right. Um, so we covered a lot of ground. And um, it, it, I am inspired just listening and looking at your amazing photography, Michael. As we wind down, um, any closing remarks and actions and thoughts that we want to leave our um, subscribers with? Um, I think, you know, when I listen to your to your podcast, and, and it's so timely, everything happens. Um, I'm not one that to say things happen for a reason. I'm one to say things happen and you create the reason for it. Um, there's a there's a quote. This this was there's a quote that my father had in his briefcase when he passed away that I got and I never he we never discussed it, but it said people can divide it be to be divided into three groups: those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who make things happen. We never had that conversation, but this it's a it's a parched paper and there's holes in it because it's been in my cubicle and now it's framed. It's been in everything in front of me for 20, almost 30 years. And so I look at people and say that don't, you know, make something happen. Find your creative side. You're more than your corporate role. Think about, you know, what what are you so obsessed with about the ladder that you're climbing? Climb a ladder for you. Be creative. Everybody has a creative side. It may not be photography. It may be painting. It may be singing. It may be knitting. But if you don't find that, your life's going to be a little challenging as you progress, uh, as things change, whether your kids grow older and go out or, you know, you leave the corporate world, um, but you still have a lot to give. So find what you have to give. And that can be, I don't even call it a side hustle. It's what you are. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's not like I'm selling, you know, popsicles on the side. I, this is what I love to do. It's like do something that you would do for free. And so that's that's how I look at photography. And Christine, you've helped me with that. I've seen you do it. 
and which is just that's the amazing thing we've talked about it but watching you do it creating the podcast you got you guys talking to people about it in all different aspects i'm i'm honored to be on this show and honored to at least i hope i can help somebody find their gift be present keep doing what you're doing and 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 make others uplift others that's uh, that's the best thing as a human we can do yeah that's so well said yeah yeah and i and i think you know we talked a, a lot about the photography um Michael's also involved at the Marietta Museum, right? Yep. You're on the board yep. of directors. Yep. Um, teaches. We've we've talked in another podcast about living a portfolio life and having, you know, the ability to do a lot of things that give you joy and give mm-hmm. others joy. And you're just a living example of that. So, super great to have you on the show. And yeah. I know that people tuning in definitely took some good words of wisdom away. I hope so. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And, and as you know, we we're continuing to grow. This isn't there isn't a, the final is the final. But until we reach that, we continue to grow and, uh, right. and, and rediscover what we are, who we are. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, time and uh, look forward to uh, gathering again. And yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll be famous one day. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're well, already you're famous. a photographer. You are saying it now, Michael. So uh, famous to follow soon. More, yes. more, probably more quickly than you even realize. Right. Yeah. Get get All those right. photos while you can. Oh yes. <laughs> That's what I would say. I'm telling my kids that you know what? That's your inheritance. <laughs> Take these photos, <laughs> and whatever you can do with them, that's your inheritance. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you All very right. much. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. If you do like what you're hearing, please give us a review that helps others discover the podcast and learn from our, our wonderful guest. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Is that a wrap? <laughs> That's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.